Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Welcome to the Great Women in Compliance Podcast with Lisa Fine and Mary Shirley. I'm Mary Shirley, and I have Lisa Fine here with me. We are doing another one of our joint episodes, which is a rigueur for us, coming out of a a two-week seasonal break. So to welcome the fall uh, as a nod to my adopted home currently of the United States for autumn, uh, for all of the New Zealanders and others utilizing that term, uh, we welcome you to this episode, uh, which is all about the Great Woman in Compliance book that Lisa and I have been working on. Uh, for those of you who don't know we're, uh, about it, we're going to give you a little bit more information today. And for those of you who do know about it and were curious for an update, uh, that, that will be the focal point of today's topic, um, as well as some behind the scenes thoughts from Lisa and myself as first-time authors. So, Yeah. I would just like to make one comment. I would like to tell my friends in New Zealand that welcome to spring. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So anyone from my side of the world, uh, (laughs) apologies that uh, it's upside down. (laughs) I refer to the fall season as actually the spring season for us back home. So... Indeed, Lisa. Thank you for. I could. I'm sorry. I just couldn't resist. It just <laughs> so there. You know, I had to throw in. You know, as a you know American born in Buffalo, New York, I had to throw in the New Zealand time of year for you. Well, so. I love that because there are a lot of Americans who um, I think occasionally forget that. Um, there are a whole lot of other countries out there, and I know it's easy to get into caught up in the America's the focal point or the center of the universe. And even I've suddenly uh, found myself caught up in that way of thinking. So I'm so grateful to you for remembering to customize for our wider audience. And of course, New Zealand oftentimes, for some strange reason, uh, tends to be in our top five um, uh, listeners, which is quite bizarre given that we have very few international or regional headquarters of multinational corporations uh, in New Zealand. Uh, So thank you for the Kiwis um, who loyally listen in anyway. Yeah, it's all Mary Shirley, so. (laughs) It's all my friends and family who I bribe to listen in. (laughs) All right, so let's start off um, somewhat at the beginning, which tends to be a great place to commence. Uh, So Lisa, I really cannot remember precisely when this was now as the pre-COVID days genuinely feel like a lifetime ago. But I do remember very well uh, sitting in my office, which I haven't visited since March, um, uh, taking a call with you uh, from Sarah Haddon, who uh, is from Corporate Compliance Insights. Um, She also has a publishing company, CCI Press, And she wrote to us to ask if we would entertain an idea that she had. And she proposed to us a great woman in compliance book and that we collaborate uh, with her on that. And um, you and I did not take much convincing um, from, from what I recall. And we were absolutely delighted to be invited to partake in this opportunity 
Um, and from that phone call, uh, we started planning and brainstorming. And I use the term we quite loosely, given that you and I are amateurs in this area and Sarah is the professional and expert. And so we largely defaulted to her. But that's essentially um, the idea for how the book came about. And Sarah's concept was that it would be a book that would be ideal for gifting during the end of year holiday period. And it was something that would be uh, somewhat light, not heavy reading, um, and would be inspiring and motivating and really celebrate the community of great women in compliance globally. And I know that we reconsidered as uh, COVID approached whether it would still be appropriate to publish within 2020. And I, I think the, the consensus from, from all of us unanimously was that, uh, in fact, if anything, 2020 was an ideal time. If ever there was a time when we needed uh, lightness, when we needed joy, when we needed um, a reminder of our community of support uh, and, and all of that kind of fairy dust happy stuff, this was the year for it. And so we decided to proceed. I know a lot of things were delayed or postponed uh, or outright cancelled this year, but the Gwick book is not one of them. And so we have uh, stuck with our plan and we will be um, launching very shortly, in fact, in the autumn uh, for the United States slash spring uh, for <laughs> Team New Zealand and Australia um, this year. So uh, keep a look out for that. We've got more details. Lisa, anything else you wanted to talk about for the origins of the book? No, I, I think that one other thing just to remember when we were talking mm. about whether or not we would move forward or postpone is this is a project that we actually could all do remotely and all mm. of the involved in it would be able to do that as well. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that it was, a, it, it seemed like it would still be a good time, as good of a time as any, like you said. Um, and it wasn't something where any of us needed to be in person. Um, we would have liked to be at some mm -hmm. point right together, but I think that, you know, the process went very smoothly um, with that and with Sarah's expert guiding hand in this, because I, you know, I don't know what we could have done without that. I mean, I was sort of, I was so honored and thrilled that first day. So I think that's what I would add. Yeah. And, you know, on that point about everything being remote, um, for for me, as, as many of you know, I was um, stuck, for want of a better word, at home in New Zealand for, for nine weeks of lockdown this year. And um, it was not only of course, possible to work on the book from home and um, and from a totally different, the most annoying time zone ever. Um, but it, it actually gave me really something to look forward to during a tough time when all the days seemed to melt into one. Um, it was like, you know, and it has been Groundhog Day for what feels like forever now. So having this project to work towards has really, for, for me personally, it's really helped. And uh, there was a friend um, who put on Facebook something about how, you know, don't feel bad if during lockdown you have not learned a new language or written a book. And I sort of obnoxiously wrote in there, oh, well, I'm I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm publishing a book. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so for me, it was a real um, beam of light um, for us to be able to keep striving and keep working towards something. Yeah. 
All right. So I think the next thing we wanted to talk about related to that is whether this book was only for GWIC listeners and sort of as a follow-up and related thing is what's what's different about the podcast versus the, um, the book as a whole. I think that um, the biggest thing to think about is that the book is for everybody. Um, that was one of our intentions from the beginning. You're not going to hear, you know, an analysis of the FCPA or experiences that people were having you know, with different sorts of issues or helplines or some of the things that we talk about so frequently or or the areas we're very often in the podcast, we're also celebrating um, the women that we speak with, but also their areas of expertise. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think, you know, there, there is a substantive component in that. Not saying that what we have throughout the book is not substantive, but it's a different kind of substance. It's about experience. It's about life, you know, as it's some, you know, you know, good, good experiences, embarrassing things, you know, lessons learned, mentors. Um, so where in the podcast, we may talk a little bit about, you know, how to be a mentor or what to learn, you know, what I've learned from my mentor, you know, mentoring versus you know, advocacy or things like that. Mm. In, in the book, you might actually speak about your mentor or an experience that taught you the difference between good and bad, bad mentors or, you know, some other things like that. I mean, that's just one of the examples for us. I think, that, that it is similar and that the people that we focus on are obviously women in compliance, but the experiences and the lessons are very human. Um, mm. I think that was our intent and asp- aspirational and also you know, community-based. What about you? Yeah, I would echo that completely. And, and while I would say that we are, of course, compliance-centric in many ways, I think a lot of the topics that we talk about on the podcast uh, do have good um, multi-industry crossover. And in several of our episodes, what we've talked about is industry agnostic. I would say that that goes further um, for the book. And so it would be very cool, I think, if it transpires that, say, HR professionals um, are referred the book to read because people have enjoyed it and think that they're friends in that area or working in law firms, uh, not in the white collar crime area, would also enjoy it. I think there is a, a good chance of, of that happening and I'm excited about it because um, one of the things that I, I know you and I together value is over-inclusiveness um, where yep. we can um, facilitate that. Yeah, and I think about it I remember when we started the podcast, I've told this story before, but I, I mean, we had no idea what was going to happen um, mm-hmm. or if we were to have listeners and we're thrilled that now this has evolved into this next step. But I remember my mother listening to one of the early episodes that was fairly, um, you know, substantive heavy. She's like, it seems very interesting, but it's a little dry. So I said, to people, <laughs> I said at the beginning of our experience that I thought we'd have, you know, maybe 50 people listen, including my family. And then my mother said it was dry. And the reason I say that is my mom couldn't be prouder of me, but she is excited mm. about this book. And mm. I feel somebody, you know, like my mom or others who aren't in the field, this isn't so field heavy, like you said, mm-hmm. that it really is enjoyable. Like if you know somebody who submitted or, you know, you know, family members of someone, you understand some of the things they go through more. Mm. So. That's a great point. How to... Um, understand your compliance officer's spouse. Uh, we could have a, a line of demand for, specifically for that. <laughs> so, yeah, that's what I, I mean, I, I thought that. So it is, I, I think it is, you know, you've got some of the same base of people who are passionate about all this, but it's different in terms of the focus and the, sort of the style of it too. 
Yeah, and I think um, leveraging off that comment, it, it brings us really nicely as a segue into the next area that we wanted to, to discuss in this episode, which is what's the book really about and what are some of the key themes that we've noticed? And I'd love to start off this area by talking about what the book is not, which I sometimes find an easier way to describe um, items or concepts. So what the book is not, I would say, is that it is not um, a compliance textbook. Um, there are some um, good examples of those out there. Uh, Tom Fox uh, and Dina King, friends of the podcast, uh, each of uh, them have released books that I would more closely describe as being um, very substantive in terms of looking at core compliance concepts and concrete subject matter to do with ethics and compl compliance. Um, Christy Grant-Hart has done a wonderful series which really focuses on a lot of the soft skills that you need in compliance. And so our book is really another area I would suggest. Uh, it looks at um, how to thrive in compliance. Um, it especially looks at how to thrive despite um, obstacles that you may have encountered, which of course is always incredibly inspiring and I think also really easy to relate to when um, I think we know in concept that not everybody uh, gets to where they are with zero work and, you know, by, by pure luck uh, and with one hair flick, they're there. Um, but actually hearing some people's stories uh, and people that you may well know by name, if not personally, um, who are very big names in the field, I think that's uh, an incredibly interesting um, aspect of what this book provides. Um, and so to me, that's a big part of it. And, and some of those key themes that I've mentioned are overcoming adversity, um, learning from mistakes, how great women in compliance have advanced and matured um, and grown throughout their careers. Um, there is some really great advice in there. And I, I would hazard to say, I, I know I'm not one of the great veterans in the, the field, but I would guess that no matter how experienced you are, um, that there would still be something um, either new or very comforting to read in the book. And I'll check on that by asking um, friend of the podcast, Ellen Hunt, uh, later on what, what she thinks. But that's my hazard of a guess for now. What about you, Lisa? What, what, what is the book about to you? Well, I think that some of that is, our, I would also say one of the things is that it's really celebrating this community as mm -hmm. a whole, whether it is the big names or whoever put something in or who, whoever defines what that may be. Um, I've mm -hmm. never thought about that. But the idea that anyone, this was a self-selected group of submissions. So these may be people you've heard of. It may also be someone you, you know, you didn't know about before, but somehow it's inspiring. It, mm -hmm. It's really all about, you know, the people who, the women who made the submissions for this book are involved in the book at some point. Uh, and I think that that is an exceptional group. And you have people who are from all over the world, different stages of their careers, people who may have written a tome and people who may have, you know, had a couple career mm -hmm. changes. And I think that one of the parts of that is that I, I just love is that we are being able to, to have this sense of community. If you're, you know, we often talk about the seat at the table, getting the seat at the table. This table had like, you know, as many ex extensions as we wanted. If you wanted to be at the, the, the WIC table for this, 
you know, we were thrilled to have you. Mm-hmm. Um, if and, I can just I like, yep. interrupt with a Mean Girls reference, you can sit with us. <laughs> and I will just say, you don't have to wear pink on Wednesdays either. <laughs> um, but I do think, yeah, we want everybody to, and I think everyone has something to share that they've learned or that's important to them in, in their careers. And we can learn lots of people. And I love the fact that this was that kind of process. It was, uh, you know, in that way, it was intended to keep being as inclusive or over-inclusive as possible. Absolutely. And I think that's something um, not to sort of self-compliment us too much here, but it's a a principle that we've tried to keep in mind with the podcast as well, right? Like, obviously, there's a reason why um, the the people on the speaking circuit are on the speaking circuit. It's because they're very good at what they do. Um, It's because they're known for being able to add value to be thought leaders um, and to really help move the dial uh, in our industry in a certain way. But what we've also done, I think, that's been important is looking out for voices who are not just the same people that you see speaking again and again um, on the conference circuit or in podcasts um, or having so-called appearances at places. Um, We have looked at people who um, may be a little more quiet on that front, and we want to make sure that their voices are amplified as well. Right. I mean, that that goes back when people often ask us, how do we pick podcast guests? Mm-hmm. There's, you know, there's not some complicated process. And same with your know, book authors. It's if you, you know, if you have something that's interesting to bring to the table that you want to discuss, um, you're at the table. And everybody mm-hmm. pretty much has something they're doing at this point that they want that that is worth sharing um, and worth learning from. So I guess with that, that moves on a little bit. What was the biggest surprise for you in the process of doing the book? Yeah, um, so Lisa, you've been incredibly community focused in um, this episode and um, I'm almost um, embarrassed to have the answer to this question um, be very Mary-centric, but it is, so please indulge me, dear listener. Um, I think for me, and and some of you who who listen and regularly may be aware that um, while I'm conscious of the fact that public speaking is typically a strength of mine, um, my writing is is just kind of average. And so my whole life, I've always loved the idea of being an author, but it was always a pipe dream. Um, It was something that I thought, wouldn't this be fantastic, Um, but it's not going to be for me. And during this process to have had the editorial team uh, complement certain aspects of my writing, one that's been fantastic from a personal growth perspective in terms of feeling like I'm coming and, you know, to a certain point of of, um, improving that area and um, it felt very validating. So for me, one of the biggest surprises in this whole process was something that was really just um, a wonderful daydream is now turning into a reality for me. And for those of you who um, attended our session at the SCCE conference um, in uh, National Harbour last year, you may recall this this has happened before in my life where um, moving to the United States was something that really at times seemed really difficult. Um, you can't just sort of turn up in the US and start living and working. It's it's quite, quite difficult. And so this is two things for me now that seemed almost impossible at first blush. 
Um, but uh, in the end, uh, it transpires that nothing really is impossible. What about for you, Lisa? Well, first of all, I mean, about writing, I find writing to be a challenge also. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, basically at this point, I feel like I write much better in bullet points, which is really my <laughs> yeah. way to, to write a book. But I will say, I also didn't have the same fear you did because I have always believed that the best books actually have the best editors. And I knew mm-hmm. that like, mm-hmm. no matter, I, even if I initially made a mess, um, then eventually um, I would... Um, even if I had no matter that Sarah would be able to, um, you know, basically fix it and help us do better. Um, so I was not nearly as scared about that um, as I, as I was, um, as you were or concerned, because I, I mm-hmm. knew that we had this stopgap for better or worse. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for me, I am going to go a little more community on this. Like I couldn't believe how many people were interested, how many people mm-hmm. cited that submitted, that suggested people to submit. Mm-hmm. I just felt like that was tremendous. It was mm-hmm. just, like it, it, or you know, people ask you know asking to send it, you know send information. I mean, I was I just was it really made me feel good. That part I think mm-hmm. was not that I didn't think people would be interested, but I didn't I didn't expect that level of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't hope that doesn't come off as self congratulatory towards us, but it was really like it was just cool. You would sort of mm-hmm. remember seeing submissions come in, and then you'd read them, and they were fantastic. It was just such a you know heartwarming thing with that so yeah yeah excellent um and so that brings us to another um question which would be what was the most challenging part for you um you know I think I just talked I I mean a little bit about um not knowing what to do or being part of this process and again Mm -hmm. I'm happy we had a good editor because at the beginning like great. Yeah. We want to write a book. Okay. How do you actually do that? Um, how do we do what we need to get done for this? So for me, that part was what was really daunting and scary. You know, can we do this right? And what what am I supposed to do next? Okay. I've written what I'm thinking I'm supposed to write, but is this really what our intention is or what we're trying to do? Mm, I guess mine is, is similar. Um, so the whole, needing to be directed and guided. And in the end, my answer to this question would be that uh, nothing was as challenging as I expected in the process um, because the editorial um, and publishing team was able to inform us and guide us so very well. Um, I actually got, if we'd self-published anything, um, if we'd ever thought to do that, I think I would have been like a chicken with my head cut off. Uh, it would not have been a very comfortable process, I suspect. So in the end, um, this totally unknown process to us, we were lucky that we had people to hold our hand. I think that was super helpful. Um, we were lucky that we had experts. So in the end, it was a lot easier than I had anticipated that it would be. Yeah, I think I'll just add one other thing. The time management of it was also a little bit daunting to me between work, trying to do the podcast, you know, real life, COVID, you know, mm-hmm. everything else. I feel like at some points, it, I never felt like it was so challenging. It was unsurmountable. But there were times where I felt like, wait, I feel like there are so many deadlines and there's so many unknowns. I mean, even, mm-hmm. you know, how you'd have your day-to-day COVID life that mm-hmm. you were adapting to. So while that didn't slow us down, 
it sometimes took a, a feeling of surreal with this is, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got to get stuff done for the book and I want to do this well and this job and everything. So I do feel like some of that was a little bit challenging, but it was, mm-hmm. everything was always reasonable too. I, so it wasn't that much, but I do think back on it and think, you know, suddenly it was kind of the to-do lists were quite long um, in the most positive and exciting of ways. But mm-hmm. suddenly, you know, it was, you know, this was something I really, really wanted to do right. Um, and at the times it was, you know, it was challenging, but then, you know, all of us, everybody who's listening right now balances life. Um, yeah, I can so relate to that in, in many ways. Um, and, and interestingly, not for this particular project. And the reason why I raise this is just in case there's anyone out there who's got a, a sort of a dormant um, wish to write a book someday, whenever I question myself about uh, whether I could write a book in more recent history, it always came back to, eh, I don't really have anything to write about who would want to read my stuff. Um, and the more I thought on it, the, the less I sort of came up with to be able to write on. And then what I found was when we'd settled on our topics and uh, you and I were assigning ourselves our chapter introductions, the words came so fast for me. I think you'll remember there was one time I'd did all of my chapter introductions within the space of an hour or two. And so what I would say to anyone who is who would really love to do this but is thinking that they don't have anything there, you'll, reven- you'll never really know until you try. So um, if it is something that you think you might like to do and even if you don't think you have something that somebody necessarily wants to read – try sitting down with a pen uh, and your ideas and see if the, the thoughts flow. Because for me, um, they came out much faster than I had ever anticipated. And whilst there were a lot of other things going on um, that I can 100% relate to about your description there, Lisa, for some reason, um, this the, the book was almost my break from all of the other stuff that I felt was hounding me in terms of um, having to get stuff done, tick off things on my list and and bow down to deadlines. For some strange reason, this was easy and it, and it was not something that I was expecting to be. And I would just make one comment about that, about Mary's and my working styles, because I remember that day very clearly because it was a Friday afternoon where I was like, I had a whole plan in my mind of these introductions I'm going to do this day. This is the mm-hmm. next This is what I'm doing Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And I just remember while I was finishing this thing at work, like Mary would come up with this like brilliant, interesting introductions. And I, I would look at that and I'd be like, I can't, I, I told, am I behind? What am I doing? But it was amazing. So it's just so funny because our work styles are very different that way. And, you know, within a couple of days, I, you know, I caught up on my own schedule, but I do remember thinking, I was like, wow, she's really good. She's got it all going right, right now. Thank and, you. And it was just a very, it was, it was, it was like a kind of happy day. And it was also a, yep, reminder of how we work differently day. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the kind but words, both ended up, But no, but both of them worked really, you know, it worked out really well. Yeah. Like, following week we were where we we should be and we were able to to talk about what each other were doing but I just remember thinking having so for those of you who have that moment of how am I going to keep up with this it works out yeah the panic monster comes sometimes as well I find that a good trigger (laughs) yeah 
And Mary knows me well enough that in the middle of what she was doing this, she said, don't stress out. I just got very inspired. Because <laughs> she knew. Yeah. Really yeah. yeah. I, this was coming at a time where I think I was working somewhere in the region of between 60 and 65 hours a week for work. And so this came as just such a release for me being able to, to work on this after some very um, intense um, periods of my core job that I was able to to use this in a very, you know, direct that, um, I don't know, stress is the right word, but just uh, I had a lot of thoughts building up, a lot of emotion, and it was able to, to direct it into the writing. So um, you and I f- have different ways to get from point A to B, but we always see each other at B. And we get there. Yeah. 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 So I guess right now, I mean, we should close off talking a little bit about the launch of the book. Um, what are you most looking forward to about the launch of, of the book and how we're planning to do that? Yeah, mine's a hope rather than something that's, you know, guaranteed that we're definitely going to see or hear about. But for me, it would be um, that, uh, you know, this is something that you talk about a lot, Lisa, how compliance can be an incredibly lonely discipline at times. And I'm thinking back two times when I've been a one-man band or I've been head of a region um, with no other, you know, physical compliance staff, you know, in the same region as me. And um, I'm hoping that this book provides company for for people. Um, It provides validation um, and it provides uh, some ideas, um, some inspiration and, you know, absolute best case scenario, and, and you and I have been lucky to hear about this regarding the podcast um, if, on occasion previously, what it would be amazing to hear about um, regarding the book is if um, anyone who reads it um, manages to hear advice or apply advice um, from one of the great women in compliance and finds that it dramatically changes their life course or their career course um, that would be the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is just the prospect of of that and how um, shared knowledge can have such an amazing, impactful effect on other people's lives. Yeah, and I think um, I, mean, I think that part is fantastic. I'm I'm really you know personally I'll I'll say I'm looking very forward. Mm-hmm to go back and reading all of this in the form that it's in, in here and how it's all woven together mm-hmm. and kind of hold on and, and learn from those experiences and also appreciate the, the community of, of, of people who helped put this together. And as you said, the people that appreciate it. Um, I mean, there's a part of me too, I, you know, that it's going to be kind of exciting to actually have the book, you know, physical mm-hmm. book that I had in my hand. Um, and I just, like you said, it's an accomplishment that frankly, I never really thought I would do. Um, but, and to be able to have the words of so many people, I, like, I respect, admire, value, um, in, in this thing that we were a part of. So that's what I'm looking forward to of launching it and that everybody else gets to see all the things that we've gotten to see. Um, yeah, definitely. Me too. So. Great. So in, in terms of ending on a high note, I think we have a good one for you today. So, um, Lisa and I are in the process of planning the launch event, which essentially celebrates um, the release of the book. And just like the authoring of the book, uh, it is an open lunch table. You can sit with us. Um, and we hope that several of you will consider 
attending the session, which we hope to have some form of substantive element in terms of there being a small panel. Um, Lisa and I will be sending out um, a customised drink recipe to um, make your own drink to uh, cheers all of the contributors, to cheers all of the wonderful women in compliance um, that make our profession so awesome. Um, and then there'll also be a, a special author's lounge as well. So for those who contributed, um, we will invite you to um, a, an event shortly before the, the big um, kahuna with everyone. And um, it'll be a happy hour in the US. And I'm so thrilled to say that any listeners um, slash supporters in uh, New Zealand and Australia, um, it will be... Uh, during waking hours for you, luckily. So the afternoon time um, symbolises uh, the, the the future, actually, waking up the very next day in New Zealand and Australia. So um, we're very pleased that this event will cater to multiple time zones. Uh, you may have to get up a little bit early if you're uh, tuning in from Asia Pacific, though. Yeah. Yep. So more to come on that, more to come on the date, the actual launch date and, you know, announcements around the book. And we are tremendously, just so looking forward to it and, you know, really appreciate the, all of you that have contributed and that are excited about it and have sent good wishes. And hopefully now you're learning a little bit more about what we were, what we're trying to do and we, you know, hope you enjoy it or just enjoy the events around it. Um, thanks so much. Thanks everyone. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review.